Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text is from Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. When the high priest asked Jesus at his trial, Are you the Son of God? Tell us. Jesus said, you have said so. When Pilate later on tried Jesus, he also asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate later presented Jesus to the crowds who had gathered there alongside Barabbas and said, which one do you choose, Barabbas or the one who is called the Christ? And the crowd essentially said, crucify the Christ, crucify him, the Christ. Jesus was taken back into Pilate's courtyard, and the soldiers twisted thorns into a crown and shoved it on his head. They took a purple robe and draped it over his shoulders and put a reed as a mock royal scepter in his hand. They dressed him up as a false king, and they beat him and struck him in the face, saying, Prophesy who hit you. Jesus was led out to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And he was nailed to the cross, and above him a sign was placed that said, The King of the Jews. And when Jesus was raised up on the cross, the crowds let him have it. They said things like, If you are the Son of God, if you are the King of the Jews, if you are the King of Israel, then save yourself. And through all this, Jesus was silent speaking only when he had to, but for the most part saying nothing at all. And yet by his silence, he drew a confession out of his enemies. By remaining silent while his enemies raged against him all along, they were actually proclaiming the truth of who he really was. He is the Son of God, the King of the Jews, the King of Israel. And by doing so, They made their claims about him public, a matter of record. And so that people could go back to this time and see what was said about him and compare it with what actually happened. And many have drawn the conclusion that he is indeed everything they said he was. The Son of God, the King of the Jews, the King of Israel. In his silence even. Jesus was the Son of God. And while his enemies raged against him, Jesus offered no rebuke, no return insult. He didn't call down angels to come and rescue him and bring death to the rest. He didn't cry out or shout back. But there was one thing that did cause him to cry out. There was one thing that happened that did cause him to raise his voice and shout from the cross. 
It was that even in those moments, even if only temporarily, God the Father had become his enemy. It happened in this way. Jesus once quoted a prophecy to his disciples as he was heading to the cross saying, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. The sheep were the disciples that would be scattered and abandon him at his crucifixion. The shepherd, of course, is Jesus himself and God the Father is the one who would strike him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed that God would take the cup from him. What was the cup? It was the cup of wrath, the judgment that God the Father had for all the nations. All of that would be poured out upon him. All the sin of all the people everywhere in the world would be poured out upon him, and he would receive punishment from God for all of it. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not a moment where Christ temporarily slipped and lost his faith. The first four words of that prayer are words of trust. My God, my God. But God had withdrawn his presence from Jesus as he died. God, even if temporarily, had become his enemy on the cross. And yet Jesus, throughout all that, was still who he was. He was still the Son of God in the midst of it all. And for lack of anyone else who would be willing to speak up, the earth shook and the rocks cried out as they split apart. The temple curtain in Jerusalem was torn from top to bottom and the bodies of the saints who had died before, who believed in the coming Messiah, rose from the dead. And witnessing these signs and wonders, the centurion standing before the cross and all who were with him confessed together that truly he was the Son of God. The centurion, the centurion who by all means was an enemy of Jesus, the centurion who was there to prevent Jesus' escape, the, the centurion who was there making sure that Jesus was nailed to the cross in the first place, the centurion who ordered Jesus to carry his own cross as he walked to Golgotha, the centurion who was also there giving his approval as soldiers were hitting Jesus, strike him in the faith, in the face, placing a crown of thorns on his head and a robe on his shoulders and a reed in his hand. He, by all accounts, was an enemy of the Christ. And yet on this side of the cross, after his death, after his last great shout, he looked at Jesus and became his friend. Truly, he was the Son of God. Mary, or the mother of the sons of Zebedee, was also there in the back, the mother of, of James and John, who once asked Jesus if her two sons, who were his disciples, could sit at his right and his left when he came into his glory. She didn't realize it at the time, but she was attempting to tempt Jesus out of the cross by asking him to share some of the worldly comforts and honor with her sons. Now, at the crucifixion, she stares in horror, realizing what it really means to be on his right and on his left as he enters into his glory. 
Jesus dying for the sins of the world, Jesus suffering hell for all, as on his right and left two criminals who were also dying. And yet it was her who mistakenly became a momentary enemy of the cross, was among the first who was sent out to the disciples when Jesus rose from the dead to go and proclaim that he had risen. On this side of the cross, she too had gone from enemy to friend of Jesus. And God the Father saw the suffering of his servant, that he had made atonement for many, and he remembered his promises, and he would not let his Holy One see decay. And so he was the father of this son, raising him from the dead and not abandoning him to death. When we look at our world, and we see the great number of enemies that Jesus still has and the church still has, we remember these things. Yesterday was the five-year anniversary of when ISIS beheaded 21 Coptic Christians. The point of their killing all these Christians was so that they could prove that their God was stronger than Jesus, that Allah was greater than the Christ, that if they really were children of God, why wouldn't he come down and rescue them? And yet for all the death that they brought, all they ended up doing was strengthening the faith of the church in the face of death. When governments formally organize against the church to silence the people of God, so that they are not allowed to speak and they are not heard from, suddenly the only thing they can speak about as they make policy in their houses of parliament and wherever else is the church and the Christ. When celebrities and and filmmakers and authors and politicians and every person of influence in the world comes and stands before the cross to ridicule it, to mock it, to trample upon our faith by their own inconsistencies, by their failed and flawed logic, and by the very lives that they lead, they reveal that they, too, are searching for a Savior. Friends, family, children, parents, brothers or sisters, neighbors or co-workers, sit around the table with us and stiff-arm every offer to come and hear the word of God and sometimes also join in that great parade of those who want to insult the church. They find nothing but unending love and patience from us that testifies to the love of the true Son of God. When God sent his son, Jesus, into the world, he unleashed a devastating weapon on his enemies. The self-giving, unrelenting, truth-speaking love of Jesus. Love so powerful it can transform an enemy into a friend. 
And more than that, it's not just that those who gather against the church and against Jesus testify against themselves, but also God desires them. God loves the sword-wielding terrorist. God loves the people working inside governments of China and North Korea and Iran and wherever else Christians are systematically persecuted. God loves Bill Maher, Bill Nye, Stephen Hawking, and all the rest. And God loves your children and parents and neighbors and friends. And he loves you. Perhaps you were once angry with God. Perhaps you had turned away from him. It might have been apathy. It might have been just saying to the church, I don't need you or want you or care for you at all. And I don't see your purpose. But you stand here in this space after his crucifixion, after it has been finished, after full atonement for your sins have been made, and you confess together that we are now friends. Friends of Christ and children of the Father. So we look at our world and we recognize that there are so many who gather to insult, to hurt, to blame, to trample down, even to kill the church. And we know this one thing to be true. God loves them all. By the power of his transforming love, so do we. Amen.